into today's message. I'm not sure if you are aware, but today was actually declared a national day of prayer for those affected by Hurricane Harvey. And so I would love for us just to kind of turn our attention to that for a moment. Can we join our hearts together in prayer? Can we do that just as a church and lift up those who are affected by this? And so, listen, I'm going to lead prayer, but I just encourage you, pray with me, man. We're, we're the family of God, and we need to just join our hearts together for those who are uh, experiencing such devastation right now in just Houston and just in the surrounding areas even. So let's, let's, let's lift our hearts together right now. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, that uh, in the midst of all this craziness, in the midst of destruction, God, I just thank you that the peace that we just sang about, God, it's going to invade hearts and lives right now, Lord, for families. And loved ones who have lost so much, God, even some who have lost the lives of their loved ones, Lord, I just pray right now for peace. God, I pray for no more lost life in the name of Jesus. No more lost life. God, I just thank you that those waters will recede. And I just thank you, Lord God, that they will begin to rebuild, Lord Jesus. I just thank you that people will pull together. I just thank you that your people, God, your people will rise to the occasion. God, I just thank you for needs to be met in a supernatural way. God, I thank you for supernatural protection and provision over every person affected by this. And we just love you so much, God. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Yeah. Well, listen, um, we're just going to continue in loving well. Uh, are y'all okay with that? I just, uh, I just love this series. And so before we get into that, um, I just, I just want to further emphasize this idea of loving well that we've been talking about. And in Colossians 3, it's not on the screen. I just want to read it out of my Bible really quick. Colossians three twelve, it says this. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, everyone say, put on, put on on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Woo! Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, listen to this, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Wow. But this is my favorite part. Verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I love that it says put on love. I picture a coat. The, the amplified version actually says wrap yourself in love. I picture just a big blanket. Wrap yourself. Put on love. In other words, when people see you and they see your life, what do they see you wearing? Because are you clothed in these things? Have you wrapped yourself in love? Because if we're going to love well, it should be pretty obvious to those around us. We should be wrapped in love. Amen? Wow. So loving well Today I want to look at this idea of loving well is faithful. Everyone say faithful. Faithful. Now if you were here two weeks ago when I spoke, I used the Greek word oligopistos, which is little faith in Matthew 8, 26. And I want us to look at the key word there for faith in the text, pistos. This is from a commentary on the Greek word. And it says this. This is really, really interesting. The definition given of pistos is also intriguing in that it defines a triangulation point between three Aramaic words from the original text. It speaks of someone, listen, who has shown themselves trustworthy but also can refer to one that is trusting rather than trustworthy. And that's what I want us to look at today. I want us to look at the contrast of faithful to see that God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. He can be trusted. He is someone who has proven himself trustworthy. 
how we're called to also be faithful. And I also want us to look at being faithful, full of faith. Amen? One that is trusting and believing. Because if we are going to love well, we have to know God is faithful. We have to ourselves be faithful. And we must live faithful. Someone say amen. Jesus, we just give you the next couple of moments as we get into your word. I just thank you that your word is alive. It is active. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that right now even you're just prompting hearts, God, to come alive in this place. I thank you that faith will rise in this room, God, as we explore your word. And we're just so excited to be better for you, God, to be closer to you, to be not only trusting in your trustworthiness, God, but we ourselves, Lord, to grow in our faithfulness. And we just give this all to you in your name. Amen. Hey, I think that sometimes as human beings, we lose sight of the fact that God is faithful, right? Like we, we kind of just miss it sometimes. Here's just a silly example. My daughter, who is now almost two years old, uh, her name is Ruby Autumn, and uh, she's just precious. She's just ridiculously cute. And what she does now, lately, she'll come into the room just looking ridiculously cute, and that's effortless for her. And she will come up to me or Brooke, and she will raise her hands like this, kind of asking to be held, wants to be picked up. Now, I love picking her up. I love holding her. There's just something special about a daddy holding a daughter. You know what I'm saying? And so I I love it. But here's the thing where she's at right now in her development is that if I don't instantly drop what I am doing and pick her up, it's as though she translates that moment into a diss. Like, Oh, he doesn't want to pick me up. And she will literally just, her body goes limp and she just crumbles and just weeps bitterly. And I'm like, I had half a second to react. I'm so sorry. And the funny thing is, like, I bend over to try to pick her up and she doesn't even want it anymore. She, like, holds grudges. How does a two-year-old do that, you know? I'm like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. And she, like, turned from me. And then she won't give any effort. Like, I'm like, come here, come here. And she'll, like, just act like she can't even lift her hand in that moment, you know? Wow. I knew having a girl would be different. My first two are boys, but my goodness, Lord. (laughs) And I know some of you who have grown daughters now, you're like, oh, she's only two, buddy. (laughs) Woo. Thank you, Lord. But Brooke and I were talking about this the other day. And it's just, it's so like us as children of God, because we have a father in heaven that loves us so much. He delights in us, but we just give up too soon, right? We, we forget that he's faithful. And if he looks and sees a, his child who wants to, or needs to be held, we, just, we give up too much, and I think that's because we forget that he's faithful to do it. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Now, Pastor Jason, he's made the joke before that uh, it's not an actual sermon unless it has four to five points. Pastor Steve last week had a three-point message, and he said, well, I guess this isn't an actual sermon. I take both of these statements as a personal offense because I usually have no points in my message. I have pointless messages. <laughs> I mean, it's just, That's just how I structure my... But today, today, I have points. Thank you for your support. 
but there's only three, so it's still not a real sermon, you know. But I do have three points today, so I want us to look at this first point. If we're going to love well, we have to know that God is faithful. Amen? If we're going to love well, we have to know that God is faithful. Look at Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Wow. A thousand generations. And kind of like when Jesus said, hey, forgive somebody 70 times 7. It's not like we're supposed to actually calculate the amount of generations that his faithfulness endures. It, what it's saying here is that, wow, it, it's pretty much endless. It's a large number. It's something you can't put a number on. He is the faithful God, and he keeps the covenant and mercy. Wow. Amen? Look at Lamentations three twenty two. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Wow. There's an old song. I was raised in church, you know. Uh, Pastor Jason likes to say, cut my teeth on the pews, right? And there was a song, great is thy faithfulness. Anyone know that one? Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. It's a good song. I'll stop there, though. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. You can hope in him because he's faithful, yeah? And I love it. It says new mercies every morning. Not leftover mercies from the day before. They're actually brand new. Because we need that. Amen? And how are they new? It's, it's because he's faithful. It's because he's faithful. Now, these are Old Testament. and I mean, my goodness. When I started looking up faithfulness and faithfulness of God, the, Psalm, the book of Psalm itself was just overloaded with it. And I encourage you just to like, do some word searching on your own. But let's just jump over to the New Testament real quick. It's another idea of the faithfulness of God in Philippians 1.6. It says this, and I love this. We talked about this in youth a few weeks ago. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day, until the day of Jesus Christ. You can be confident because he is faithful. Amen? You may feel like God has no idea where you're at right now. Or you may feel like, you know what? I believe that he did begin a good work in me, but that was a while ago, and I feel pretty distant from that beginning good work. But my Bible tells me that he is faithful, and we can actually be confident in that. He is faithful to complete that work. Amen? Is someone getting encouraged in here today? Because I am. He's faithful. He'll complete the work. But here's the interesting part that I think a lot of us overlook. Complete the work until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at the word complete, it means complete. <laughs> like finished. Done. But this says until the day of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say on the day of Jesus Christ. So this tells me that the completion is an ongoing process. Amen? See, he is faithful to complete the work, but you still got to do work. Turn to your neighbor and say, do work. Do work. (laughs) And this is what I mean. Look at it. One chapter later, Philippians 2, starting in verse 12, says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Let's stop right there. I love that. 
Like what I was explaining to the, the teenagers on a Wednesday night when I looked at this verse is, hey, not just while you're here at church, not just when your youth pastor is looking, not just when you're putting on your Sunday's best and your Sunday's smile, but so much more so out there when you're home, when you're at work. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do work. But look at verse 13. For it is God who works. (laughs) I love this. So which is it? Do we have to do the work or does God? Yes. (laughs) It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So I think it's interesting because it says we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But also said it is God who does the work. And in chapter 1 says he's, he's faithful to complete the work until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? But I, so what is this work that it's talking about? I think a lot of times we have too much working on it and not enough resting in it. See, like working on it, that's something that we like to say when we identify a flaw or imperfection in our own lives. Oh, that area? Yeah, that weakness right there. That, yeah, I'm working on it. Right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, God, I'm working on that. But, but what he's calling you to do is actually fully surrender that and rest. So Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So there is a burden, there is work, you got to do work. But at the end of the day, he's the one who's completing that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's faithful, and I think that shows his faithfulness. Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. You might not have everything you want or want everything you have, but you have everything you need when you rest in him. And he's faithful. He's faithful. Wow. He's faithful to complete the good work in you. Our faithful God wants us to live in freedom. Amen? Now, freedom, not only from our sin and shame, but from addiction, from guilt, from anything that has been spoken over us to give us a false sense of identity or even an insecurity. Freedom from those things. His faithfulness brings us freedom. Amen? His faithfulness brings us freedom. Now, I want to make this statement. Less bondage isn't real freedom. Less bondage isn't real freedom. Now, here's the truth. True freedom is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And this is what I mean by that. A lot of times when we think of freedom or I'm free from that, we, we parallel that with, okay, well, what, was I, what am I now free from? The absence of. Like, is it the absence of that addiction that I used to struggle with? The absence of falling into that temptation? The absence of that illness? The absence of whatever? I'm free from that now. You know, that's all true. But I think more so it's true of the fact that true freedom is the presence of someone. And his name is Jesus. And he's faithful. He's so faithful, in fact, that if you recognize his faithfulness and his presence graces your daily lives, you will walk in freedom. It's his presence, you know, where, where, where light is, darkness cannot dwell. It's his presence alone that allows you to walk in freedom. Amen? So less bondage isn't real freedom. 
And if you live knowing God is faithful, you can walk not just in less bondage, but complete freedom. We can love well when we are living unbound, free lives because he's faithful. Amen? He's faithful. And look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. God, that blesses me. If we confess our sins, it's not like there's a moment where, all right, well, you're confessing that again? Come on, get your stuff together, boy. No, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. Amen? And then Revelation 19 says that there's a rider on a white horse and his name is faithful and true. Whew. We don't have time to get into that text, but it's powerful. It says his name is faithful and true. So you need to know today that if you're going to love well, you can't just recognize the fact that God is faithful because that is absolutely true. But you have to recognize that he is faithful. It's who he is. It's one of his names. He's faithful. Amen? We serve a faithful God. Yes? Number two. Look at that. (laughs) Points. Whoa. If we're going to love well, we have to be faithful. So we just looked at how God is faithful. Now let's look at how we're supposed to be faithful. Galatians 5, it lists the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. We looked at this a few weeks ago, focusing on the love part. But faithfulness is right there with it. Faithfulness. Now, there's a lot of different directions I could go here from being faithful to your word, faithful to God, faithful in marriage, family, work. But instead, I want to focus on faithfulness as a characteristic, as a character trait. Everyone say faithful. Faithful. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. That tells me it's pretty important. Do people look at your life, your decisions, your actions, the words you say, and do they conclude, hey, they're a faithful person? They're a faithful person. I can trust them. Yeah, they're a faithful person. Listen to this. I believe that faithfulness in you shows the world a faithful God in you. If someone can have faith in you and you're modeling your life after Christ, then they're that much closer to being able to put faith in God. Are you faithful? We're called to be like him, correct? So I know you might be thinking, well, you just said that faithfulness is one of his names and Jesus is God. So it comes quite naturally to him, right? But Jesus actually modeled a lot in his humanity for us to follow. And this is really, really neat. Look at this. It's something that I read earlier this week. And um, it's from Joe Blinko. He's a former associate of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And It's his commentary on Mark 6. And in Mark 6, it's where Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. He's being rejected. And in Mark 6, 3, it starts with the crowd saying, Wait a minute, isn't this man the carpenter, the son of Mary? And that was actually intended to be a jab. Right? He wasn't able to work mighty miracles, it says. And they they kind of said that, like, Oh, wait a minute, he's just the carpenter. He's Mary's son. 
But listen to what Joe Blinko says. This is so cool. It's worth our attention to note that this passing reference to Jesus with direct reference to his profession as a carpenter contains the Greek definitive article. He's called the carpenter. The intent could so easily be overlooked, but let me cast it for you in words we can remember. The inquirers are saying something very direct, but within their remark is an indirect statement about Jesus as a part of the professional community. He was the carpenter in Nazareth. As though one might say, if you're looking for someone who will do a reliable job, who's dependable as a worker, the carpenter you want in this town is a specific one. And his name is Jesus, Joseph's son. If he quotes a price, he'll stick to it. If he says he'll be there at 8 a.m., he'll be on time. If he promises a quality job, you better believe he'll give you a quality job. Jesus was faithful even in his earthly job before starting his ministry. He is faithful. He was the carpenter. Are you faithful? Okay, well, what about faithful to God's will for me? I'm... I think that sometimes we like to stand still and say, God, I just, I want to know your will and I'm not going to move until I get your will and just give me your will. What's your will for my life? And God is just saying, hey, your will, you already know my will to walk humbly, to act justly, to love mercy. To, we just looked at it loving well. That's God's will for you right now. Be faithful to what he's given you right now. And as you walk in his will right now, he'll be faithful to show you his will later. Mentor of mine says this, and I think it's just, it's so prevalent to what we're talking about. If you remain faithful to do the known will of God today, he will be faithful to reveal his unknown will tomorrow. Amen? If you remain faithful to do the known will of God today, he will be faithful to reveal his unknown will tomorrow. Wow, he's faithful, yes? Even in the parable of the talents, the man went away and trusted some servants with goods. He wanted them to bring a return on what he gave them. And the servants who he had given five and two talents to, they doubled what was given to them. And they received such a beautiful response from their master. And it's a response I believe we'll all have the opportunity to receive when we stand before him one day. To give an account for what we've done with our earthly lives. Matthew twenty-five twenty-three. his Lord said to him, Well done, good and what? Faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So apparently faithfulness is pretty important to God. Not just his character, but your character. It's important to be faithful. Amen? Faithful. Love well. Be faithful. Number three, if we're going to love well, we must live faithful. Full of faith. Yeah? Anyone know someone, maybe in your life, and they are clearly such a person of faith, you just love being around them? It's crazy. It's almost like they actually believe what the Bible says, that all things are possible. It's wild. You love being around them. They're faithful. They are full of faith. Well, maybe you're wondering, okay, well, how do I grow my faith? Well, faith has to be exercised for you to grow in it. The Bible actually says faith without works is dead, right? But this is really cool. I found this 
Where, you, where do you think? In the Bible. It's pretty neat. Um, and it's really interesting. It says that you not only have to exercise faith, but you actually have to add to your faith. Now, you might be thinking, just wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Add to your faith. You're saying faith in and of itself is not enough. Well, we just said faith without works is dead. So clearly we know we also need works with our faith. But this right here, I believe, is just an idea or maybe a command of what we should supplement our faith with. So look at it, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. Also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, there's that word again. Love. For if these things are yours and abound... You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Grow your faith by adding the right stuff to it. Amen? Here's an example. Church attendance is important. It's good to have fellowship with a body of believers. But I don't see that anywhere in this list. And yet for some reason, we pat ourselves on the back for just being able to make it on a Sunday. I mean, you should. But are these things active in your life? Are you supplementing your faith with these things? Are you adding to your faith these things? Wow. Ooh, my toes just got stepped on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. So if you're serving communion right now, We're about to take communion in a little bit. If you're serving, you can go ahead and head to the back and prepare for that. But how else, listen, how else can we grow our faith? We just looked at some things we should add to our faith. How else can we grow? How else can we grow our faith? Well, I believe that making faith statements are pretty important in the life of a believer. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And I want to speak life every chance I get. But a lot of times speaking life, even in the face of something that is uncertain, that takes faith. And I want to go as far as to say, we should be able to exercise our faith in such a way to where we're not just making a statement, we're making a decree. Like we're putting an order in motion. Um, My wife, Brooke, she read a, a book last week, or sorry, last year, And it's called Raising Burning Hearts. And it's about raising kids to be on fire for God. And in that book, they talk a lot about having a decree for your kids, a decree for your family. And so after she finished that book, we talked and and we actually spent a lot of time just digging through Scripture and developing our own family decree. And so I just want this to maybe maybe spark something in you. Because if you are going to... Be faithful. If you're going to be full of faith, you need to be able to start making some faith statements over your life and over the lives of your loved ones. Amen? Speaking life. And so I just want to show you this picture because I love showing off my kids. They're really cute. And (laughs) look at Ruby. She's so awesome. All right. Um, But the second picture, I want us to, to look at this. This is our family decree. And we say this over them every night before bed and every morning before I go to work. 
And I'm not saying that this is like a really calm time where we all circle up and hold hands and sing kumbaya and then I say this. No, a lot of times, to be honest, I'm like chasing them around and like trying to, you know, finish my coffee, but I'm decreeing over them. But this is what we say. You have a faith that moves mountains, a call that is unshakable, an identity shored up in Christ. Silas and Ezra, you are men of God. Ruby, you're a woman of God. You are creative and gifted and will glorify God with your talents. You're a lover of God's presence. You know God's voice and God knows yours. You're a generous giver. You're a blessing to everyone you meet. You have the favor of God in man. And you're wise beyond your years. You have a purity that is unquestionable. And you'll only marry the one that God has for you. You walk in righteousness, joy, and peace overflowing through the Holy Spirit. You have protection and provision everywhere you go. Goodness and mercy shall follow you every day of your life. You should be making decrees over your life and over the lives of your loved ones. And where do you find these? You find them in the Word of God because all of His promises are yes and amen. You speak faith. If you want to be faithful, if you want to be full of faith, it has to come out not only in your actions, it has to come out in your words. Amen? Wow. So let's take that picture off because I'm going to keep crying like a baby because I love my babies. (laughs) Wow. Full of faith. Make faith statements. Because that... Sounds cool, like maybe what I just read, like maybe moved you in some way. But it's way easier said than done to actually do it, to actually do that. Faith is speaking what is not yet seen. Like, I don't even know if you noticed, but my kids are pretty young. So a lot of things that were in that decree really don't even pertain to them until they're older. But I want them to hear it now. In faith, I'm going to decree that. I'm going to make that known in, in realms that we do not see. Amen? Sometimes you don't feel like exercising faith. Actually, I would venture to say most of the time when you are given the opportunity to do something or say something that requires faith, you won't feel like it. You won't feel like it for a lot of reasons. Could be insecurity. Could be pride. Could be the fact that maybe you've been let down in the past. Anytime you're able to do something or speak something in faith, the reality is you won't feel like it. But the kingdom doesn't work on feelings. The kingdom works on faith. Decisions that you have made along the way being full of faith. That's the kingdom. If you only know how to do this life with Jesus on feelings, you will be spiritually up and down depending on what mood you're in. We have to. We have to be full of faith. Faith full. Faith is not something you fit into your week. Rather, everything should fit into your faith. So your faith, is it full because you're fitting things into it? Are you fitting your life into your faith or is your faith just kind of somewhere on the list in your life? Because I got to say this, man. God is faithful. 
we are called to be faithful, but we are also, I believe, called to be faithful. Because if he is who he says he is, we can trust that and we can actually be full of faith. Amen? Here's a funny example. And I think it actually might offend some people. (laughs) I think that it's great if you post about your faith on Facebook. Facebook. I don't have a list. Facebook. It's great if you broadcast your faith on social media. But if you do, you better hear me right now. You better be living it a hundred times louder. Right? I heard someone say this once. Posting on social media about your faith in Jesus is not much different than carving it on a bathroom stall. Because there's no accountability there. You just want people to think you're full of faith. But take it a step further. Live it. Because being full of faith, being faithful, is actually living it for the world to see. Not just posting it when you want to feel better about yourself. Live it. Because he is faithful. We're called to be faithful. And we're also called to be faithful. Faithful. Amen? Wow. Is your faith full? How can we live faithful? How can our everyday lives be full of faith? I think it goes back to point number one. We can love well knowing that he is faithful. Knowing that he's faithful. And Jesus modeled faithfulness to us. He was faithful unto death. Faithful unto the cross. He went to the cross for you. Wow. He was faithful to the Father's will. So before we take communion, we want to make sure that everybody who has been given that measure of faith that the Bible talks about has placed that faith in Jesus. So here it's open communion and We say, hey, everyone's welcome to take it. We just want to make sure that you're right with God. You have a relationship with Jesus. Have have you put your faith in him? So let's bow our heads. If you're in this place and you're hearing all this about a faithful God, A God who is so good and he'll never let you down. A God who loves you so much. A God who can actually cause you to live a life full of faith. And you're realizing now maybe you've not placed your faith in this God. You've not placed your faith in Jesus. Or maybe you have, but you've wandered away. And that good work that we've talked about, that good work that he's faithful to complete until the day of Jesus Christ... Maybe you have a distant memory of the good work, but you recognize right now like you're just not living in that good work. You've wandered off the path. So wherever you're at in that, maybe that's you, or maybe you've never invited Jesus to be your Savior. Would you just raise your hand? And let's just pray right now. Anyone in this room? Awesome, I see your hand. Thanks. Anyone else? Praise God. 
I see your hand back there. Awesome. Yeah. He's faithful. Whether you raised your hand or not, whether you're watching online, hear me right now. He's faithful. That first John verse that we read, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. So I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to repeat after me, but I just encourage you, open your heart right now if that's you. If you need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, or if you've never done it before, or maybe you're just coming back home, would you just open your heart? Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you were faithful even unto death. You went to the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you that you rose again to give us life and life abundantly. As thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful that you've not deserted us. You've not left us alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit so that we can walk through this life being faithful and being full of faith. So we thank you, Jesus, for those who have surrendered their life to you now.